Well, everybody, welcome to Realcom Live, our weekly conversation on what's going on in real estate technology, automation, and innovation. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were at the conference and set up a studio and uh, did about 25, 30 conversations. And now we're back to our uh, once a week uh, Friday format. Today's conversation is going to be so much fun. Um, and it's fun for a couple of reasons. Uh, we're going to talk to two phenomenal organizations, uh, Merck and Pinterest. Uh, two companies, household names, recognizable names for what they do. But what makes the conversation even more interesting is that the folks that we're going to be talking to, Eugenie Descupta, the Associate Director of Smart Buildings Innovations at Merck, and David Gunter, Head of Global Workplace at Pinterest, this is not their first rodeo. Uh, they've been in the smart building world, held a number of positions at different companies, which we're going to talk about. But what it shows is, you know, to them, this is not just a job, this is a career, this is a mission. Is a passion, and as they go from one organization to the next, they bring their lessons learned, and I think are really in a position to influence the market going forward. So, with that, let's bring on Eugenie and David, and get uh, on with our conversation. Hello, you. How are you folks doing? Doing well. Good. Doing well. Thanks, Jim. And and as you heard me say in the intro, um, I, I give a lot of credit to both of you for you know. David, it's probably been 18 months since we last chatted. Eugenie could be the same, you know. And last time, Eugenie, I talked with you. Um, you were in the lighting business, if I'm uh, remembering correctly. And so, yeah. let's start with your journeys. I think it's helpful for for the folks listening. How does somebody get in the smart building business? And did you just wake up one day and go, "Wow, I, I think I want to, you know, fix the building"? Um, and I think it would be interesting for people who are, you know, in this world to understand both of your journeys. So let's start with you. Sure. Yeah. So smart building was definitely not like, you know, in elementary school, they ask you like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Pretty sure smart building was not on my list. Um, so I, my background is actually in lighting. Like you said, I've worked for lighting companies all my life before joining Merck. Um, and the last company I worked for was Philips Lighting which is now Signify. Uh, so when I was with Philips at the time, uh, they were entering the connected lighting market in the US for the first time. And so, um, so I had an incredible opportunity in front of me to lead this uh, segment marketing for office industry and healthcare. So in that position, I was actually talking to large organizations from a solution provider side, uh, trying to figure out how to solve their problems with connected lighting. And it was an incredible opportunity. I learned a lot and that sort of opened the door uh, for where I am today, which is actually working on the customer side, uh, beyond lighting, you know, uh, working on various technologies to really bring smart building technologies to market scale. So when, when you were at uh, Philips slash Signify, I mean, you were obviously in front of some major organizations with mm -hmm. major real estate portfolios. What yeah. were the, resistance points i mean connected lighting okay just conceptually it sounds like it makes sense what were some of the the, the objections that you were hearing as to why they they didn't get adopted faster yeah so it's always a challenge with new technology right especially with larger organizations which i now fully understand now that i am on the other side uh it's budget it's funding who is the owner um, if you're talking to real estate and facilities, oh my God, do I need to bring in IT? Um, they are going to resist. 
Um, so it's really all of that. And truly, do I believe the value that you're pitching to me as a solution provider? Yeah, I see it, but I'm not about to rip out all my existing lighting and put up connected lighting because that's just going to be a massive project. So yeah, all the typical things that you hear when whenever you're trying to roll out a new technology. Um, so yeah, so those were, were they willing to do test pilots or small? Yes, small pilots, pilots, absolutely. Uh, it's going from that pilot to produce production at scale. That's the that's the hard part. Yeah. Okay. Now that you're uh, embedded in in the end user, the uh, yeah. real estate owner operator user uh, side. Do you see a different perspective than when you did when you were on the solution provider side? Um, not really. I just understand the pain points much better. Um, so it's really the same pain points, um, getting the sponsors, getting the stakeholders aligned. Um, it's the funding. Like uh, It's not just the budget itself, but who is going to fund it? Is it IT? Is it FM? Is it the uh, central team? Is it the local team? Um, you know, can you prove out the business case? Not all business cases are, you know, uh, so black and white. Um, some are soft. Uh, so yeah, it's some of the same challenges. I just, you know, understand it better because I'm living it every day. Every day. And, and when you, um, now you, I believe have smart building somewhere in your title, correct? Yes. I'm the smart building lead for Merck. So that in itself, you know, embedding a smart building person inside the real estate slash facilities yeah. organization. And, and so everybody knows what you're up to, right? There's, there's no hiding it. Do you find that you have many peers in the corporate real estate industry with the same type of titles? No, it's a really good question. So I, I'm willing to bet that if you go to LinkedIn and put in smart building, you're probably not going to find a lot of people with my title. And I give a lot of kudos to Mark um, for three years ago, having the vision to say, we're actually going to dedicate, uh, not just my role, we hired a number of other positions um, on the data side as well um, to really dedicate and, and take it seriously. Yeah, um, yeah I, I mean, there's there's an awful lot to a name and a title. And, and the right. fact that every time you meet somebody, it's front and center, I think is significant. So again, I agree, kudos to Mark for having that vision. Mm -hmm. um, David, uh, how about your journey You know, from start to where you are right now? Sure. So um, I'm not an engineer, don't have a technical background by academic training. So I, I, I think like a lot of people stumbled into facilities management and corporate real estate. Um, and, and what a great stumble it's ended up being. Uh, what, a, what a fortunate turn of events for me. Um, so I think the first time I really even heard the term smart buildings, I was the facilities director for Union Bank based out of San Francisco. Um, and, I, and I don't know exactly when it was, but I think what really caught my attention was just you know, the things that, that are possible that aren't currently being done or weren't currently being done. So you still at that time had chief engineers who were walking around checking hydrostatic thermostats and everything was very analog and manual and somebody had to turn lights off. Um, I think Jim and you and I were talking earlier where, you know, I remember having debates with executives. Um, so we can't turn our lights off at night. You know, people think we're out of business. People think, you know, that there's something wrong with the company. Um, and I'm like, no, they won't. Um, and, and that's not an argument um, I, I don't think I would ever have again in, in my career, which is, which is great. And so, and I think I stumbled across Realcom at some point, probably just through a, a Google search back then. Um, and I, I became super interested in lighting automation. What year was that? Do you recall? Was that about eight? It was probably like 2011, 12. 
Yeah. Okay. About um, 10 years ago. Yeah. 10 ish years ago. Yeah, yeah. I remember Enlighted had gotten launched, which was um, at the time like a super innovative use. It still had this huge installed base of fluorescent lights. And so um, that really caught my attention. And then on, on the HVAC side. And so it was really around um, the efficient use of resources. And, so and curiosity that, played a role in your career. Oh, you know, probably that might be the biggest dimension. Yeah. Just like, wow, this is incredible. What, what's yeah. possible. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's funny. Well, finish your journey and then I'm going to, I'm going to play off some of the things you just said. Yeah, no, no, that's, uh, appreciate that. And I think, you know, I probably up in, you know, up until recently, I probably had more interest in this than anybody else I was working with. So a lot of times it was like, you know, one, maybe I wasn't in a position where I had total influence and could dictate decisions. And so I always find it very difficult, um, to get other people to, to be as passionate about it. Um, and those conversations back then, and you know, to a certain extent today too, were always ROI driven. Okay, you have a a one-time installed cost. It's, it, it needs to return investment over time, and if it doesn't meet a threshold, there's mm -hmm. no further conversation. Right. Um, and you know, and, and I think you know, companies are not in the business of investing good money after bad, but the the, the conversation is much more nuanced now. Um, so after Union Bank, um, I went to McKesson, large healthcare provider. And for, for being sort of a, you know, a hundred plus year old company, uh, um, they were pretty open to new ideas, but um, the margins of that particular big business ship. were- That was a big yeah, ship. <laughs> exactly. And so it, it takes a long time to get anything done. I think there was like a, um, a lighting retrofit project that started when I was there. And a friend of mine who was still at McKesson at the time, like two years after I had left said, oh, we finally got this done. I'm like, well, that's great, but you know, it's like, you know, my my horizon's a little shorter. I need a I need so, a bigger payoff. So, yeah, I, I believe me. Uh, impatience is becoming uh, uh, one of my attributes that is not going away. It's getting worse. Um, so now you find yourself at a stealth little Silicon Valley company. Mm -hmm. Is there more appetite for your personality? Definitely. One, one I'm in a position of influence um, where, you know, I'm the head of workplace. So, you know. I, you know, I, I'm a business manager. I'm an executive, so I'm, I'm business first, Pinterest first. And so I'm not, I'm not going to just try technologies because they're awesome. I mean, that's certainly my my inclination is to want to want to try everything. Um, but being that we're a young tech company, we're used to trying out things, um, and not not just facilities things. I mean, employees are so used to doing everything digitally. The employee, this is the first company I'm at where I, I feel like the uh, the older guy in the room. And so, <laughs> if anything, I'm being challenged. To, to constantly um, you know, make sure that, that the service we're providing is excellent. And it's less about energy, energy savings and resources. You know, we take that very seriously, but what kind of user experience are we providing, particularly in a post COVID environment? Yeah, I mean, and we didn't really talk too much about this on earlier calls, but I, I, what you just said makes me gotta ask it. Given what we just gone through with the pandemic and, and the fact that a lot of the world had known what it meant to be a mobile warrior, work remotely. Now the whole world got um, a lesson in this. And I, I've had some conversations this week that surveys were done on employees and the number of employees who do not want to come back to the office in the traditional way is significantly over 50%, right? And so mm -hmm. with your traditional background at a company like McKesson, what is the office look like in the next three to five years? I'll ask both of you yeah. guys that. Um, well, I can I can give you my hypothesis, um, but in five years we should reconnect and we should, I'll show you what it actually looks <laughs> like. Um, but we, we know that it will be less focused on workstations 
because what was once controversial, for example, moving from one-to-one -one assigned desk to flex seating, like that wasn't even a conversation. Like that was like one of the hardest uphill battles in corporate real estate pre-COVID. Now it's like, yeah, yeah we're doing that. So it's going to be much more collab seating, drop-in space, um, phone rooms, more conference rooms. Um, so I, so I think what you're going to see too is, is an amenity-rich environment. So I'm I'm agnostic in terms of whether people should come into the office or not. That's not my role. Is you know their teams decide when they come to the office, but I need to give them compelling reason to come in. And so I think I think that's going to be the challenge for us is because. I think leaders still want their employees together periodically. You're absolutely, Pinterest is, is no different that people got a taste of what flexible work is like and nobody wants to go back to the five day a week, commute in the car, sit on the train, like that's not gonna happen. And I don't think, I think the the labor marketplace is just gonna, you know, companies can, can say whatever they want, labor's not gonna allow that to happen again. Yeah. And so um, I, I think generally speaking, we're moving towards a more flexible, collaborative, those are sort of buzzwords, but a less workstation centric, um, physical office. Jenny, you want to add to that before we take a quick break? Yeah, so we're surprisingly similar. So we're formally moving to a hybrid work environment. Of course, it depends on your job. Uh, if you are a researcher, a scientist needs access to the lab, you know, of course, you have to come in. But otherwise, you know, I, I think very few people will actually be going in for five days. Um, and yeah, a lot more focus on collaboration spaces, phone booths. Um, you go in when you need to be face to face with your team members, but otherwise just work from anywhere as long as you're getting your work done. As long as you're getting work done. Yeah, and, and we've, I've been having so many of these conversations with so many organizations, small, medium, and large, and, and I actually mm -hmm. think we're starting to see some of the dust settle and where we can actually really quantify what this future is gonna look like. So well, when we come back from the quick break, what I'd like to do is just uh, have a real quick conversation on the concept of collaboration at work. What is it, right? Let's quantify, is it social collaboration or business collaboration? How does it happen? And then right from there, we're gonna go into the features of what a smart building or your smart spaces might look like. Uh, try to get a little specific for, for the folks listening so they know exactly what you're talking about. So with mm -hmm. that, let's take a brief commercial break and we will be right back. All right, um, let's get back to our conversation with Eugenie and David. All right, so I've been having some debates this last couple of weeks after the conference, uh, discussions and debates, because um, nobody has any answers at this point. Uh, we're, we're, we're seeing some sunlight, but we still don't have any definitive answers. One of the conversations we came up with was defining collaboration, because everybody says we need to be in offices or spaces to collaborate. Mm -hmm. So a couple of conversations. Is that intentional mm -hmm. collaboration, i.e. a meeting, right? Calling everybody into the conference room accidental collaboration that happens in the hallways, lunchroom, coffee room. And then this was this one startled somebody when I asked the question, I said, okay, we're gonna get specific. Is it social collaboration, meaning let's talk about the football game or the tennis match, or is it business collaboration where we're trying to figure out what the next big thing is, right? And, and, then, and then if you take those two questions and then you define, is it accidental or intentional, do those numbers, if we had them, help us better define the spaces that you both want to build? David, let's start with you. Sure. Um, so I think there's an element of all of those, I think. Um, but the, the water cooler collisions and all that, that is certainly more difficult to, I think there's a hypothesis out there that that is valuable. Um, creating those social connections between workers builds trust. Um, but I think there's some really tangible examples 
um, of the benefits of working together. And I think we're, we're hearing that from our leadership team. Uh, we, we recently had an offsite and you, you almost don't realize what you're missing when you haven't had it that long. And yeah. so I think specifically with like software engineers, developers, um, some of what they're asked to do is actually really difficult remotely. And, you know, so you know, whiteboarding and sharing notes and working in a scrum together and actually building something out it's actually not as easy to do that remotely. I think there's there's elements of like heads down coding that certainly can be done anywhere, but I think there's um, there's a requirement that, um, or at least a, a feeling that doing that together sometimes is better than not. That's a and human think, need. That's a biological human need, yeah. psychological need. And, and, and the technology too about around like doing that from different locations. So I know there's, there's a product called the Jamboard where you can do whiteboarding and people can see it remotely and virtually and all that, but it's it's, Engineers haven't, I, I don't think that they, they really feel that's as good as like a couple of people standing next to each other working it out. Um, right. And then I think you mentioned the business side. So the strategic planning, like um, I think the strategic planning part of the business is more difficult to do remotely. Um, again, that's that's a personal opinion, but I know others who share that opinion. And I think being together and spending time together intentionally, um, that planning, uh, you know, that planning function is, is super important for the business on where you're going. So how that translates into physical spaces, um, not totally sure, but we're, we're going to be trying some new concepts, new designs. We're going to be very opportunistic about it with our new office builds. We're not going to do like mass retrofitting <laughs> existing space, um, but we're going to we're going to try some things out and it's going to be much more communal, much more giving people choice. So they have very different environments within an office that they can uh, rotate to throughout the day. Yeah, I, I remember Mark Golan at Cisco going back 15 years. Uh, building 19, I think it was called 19 or 17. Mm. And he had every type of a work environment, sit, sit down, stand up, lay down in the snooze rooms. I mean, as we talked about earlier, a lot of these ideas are not new. These are in fact, mm -hmm. they're, Deloitte, you know, did the first telecommuting center in the South Bay almost 40 years ago. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, so this is not new. It's an evolution, but I think the pandemic accelerated this. So Eugenie, how about a thought on the collaboration? I mean, how, how do you feel about that and, and how are you going to offer that in this hybrid world? Yeah, I mean, we were again doing some of that anyway before the pandemic, but what we don't know is what does the new collaboration mean? So especially with the hybrid work environment. Um, so, so I think that remains to be seen. Uh, but what we are trying to do is, you know, through technology, trying to, um, help people with some of that. So if you are not, you know, so you don't, you can collaborate even if you are working remotely, you know, maybe some people are on site, some people are uh, working from home and then being a global organization, um, we've almost never had where everyone in your team is at the exact same site, right? It's a, you know, someone could be, you know, halfway around the world. So we're um, looking at different ways through technology to see, you know, how can we bring people together when physically it may not be possible for them to be in the same room. We actually played around with that at the conference a couple of weeks ago with our, our general session. Two of our speakers had to cancel for uh, one for family health reasons, the other for travel restrictions. In the old days, if a, a, a you know, primary speaker like that canceled on me a week before, I'd freak out. Since we've been doing hybrid events now for 18 months and we're getting pretty good at it, I said, no, no problem. We'll bring you in remote. But then we said, well, let's not do it like we're doing this on a team call or Zoom. So we literally brought them, we got them both to get in front of green screens and we bought, brought them in at scale, which is very important. They were the same yeah. size speakers on the stage and we were high-fiving on the screen. I mean, we were having so much fun and, and we hacked that with no budget in five days. <laughs> you, you, you give some real thought and, and, and you know, financial uh, support to this idea. 
You yeah. can figure out immersive ways to bring people in when you are, the group is in, but you need a couple of people from outside mm -hmm. and around the world. And I think that's going to be a huge new marketplace uh, coming up. I, I agree. But I can tell you, like, from the employee side, that's definitely one of the top asks. You know, help help me figure out how I can collaborate more. Like, what are the tools you can give me? So I do feel like I'm, you know, closer to my colleagues. You're so. going to be offering green screen technologies in home offices? Uh, I don't know yet. Uh, <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I would, I would bet you you will. I bet maybe yeah. if not green screen. I think, I think allocation to the home office and attention to the home office where it's not just a third bedroom with a laptop. I think, uh, I think you're going to see a whole evolution of home building and, and, and we're seeing it organically now. I just hasn't caught on at scale. Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, we only have a couple minutes left, David, give me two or three features of your next smart building project workplace. What, what are three things that will be different than they were before we left two years ago? Sure. Um, so we're making one of our big bets is, is a, a workplace experience app. And so this will be the hub where employees go to engage with us. And we have a number of different systems that help us manage. So we use Envoy for visitor management. We use uh, SpaceIQ for the cafe. And we use Zendesk for ticketing. We have all these different things. And so right now employees have to go, have to know to go, okay, I go here for this, this for that. And so um, there's, there's a, a multitude of use cases we, we can solve for, but really quickly we're trying to solve for desk booking, desk reservation. So it's not, we're not gonna require everyone to reserve a desk, but we're gonna provide that functionality for those that feel more, more secure and less anxious being able to book a desk. Uh, room finding, so finding rooms, you know, if anybody's tried to book conference rooms through Outlook or, or Gmail, um, you know, even if you have very, very consistent, clever naming conventions, it's still difficult to see room attributes and know what it's like and where it is. So providing visual um, support to people for booking rooms. Um, and just overall connecting with employees. So find a colleague, for example. So if I'm only in the office two days a week, um, you know, it's, it's more difficult for people to bump into me. So can, can we provide the ability for employees to let others know when they're gonna be in the right office there. and when they're in the office, That's good. Um, allow to find them. So those are some of the things we're trying to solve for. Very, very cool. Um, Eugenie, how about you? Uh, so yeah, we've been actually working on a lot of the same things as well, but our workplace app has been a reality for us for a couple of years now. Um, and now we're um, continuing to work on those features, but also expanding on features um, around uh, community and collaboration. So we, again, with this whole hybrid and not seeing your colleagues all the time, you know, how do we still make sure people feel connected to their team members? Um, and then also we're, you know, starting to get into more AI and ML stuff. So do some more predictive uh, maintenance. That's for sure. That's next thing's coming. Is it safe to say that in your future, smaller and smarter is going to replace bigger and dumber when, it, when you talk about <laughs> corporate facilities? Is that fair? It's I don't know about smaller, but definitely there is a lot of uh, attention on right-sizing the portfolio. Uh, being a really large organization, we have you know a ridiculous amount of square footage, so um, you know definitely right-sizing the portfolio and again uh, space utilization, which isn't necessarily a new um, area within smart buildings, but the data is becoming more and more important. Uh, so also a focus on really scaling the technology so we we know what how much space and what kind of space do we really need uh one final question i read a report story last week that said you know a good number of companies could reduce their space by as much as 50 percent is that is that number accurate or is that way off 
I don't know if 50% is the right number, but there is definitely, um, you know, the data is going to tell us a story that that perhaps we don't need as much space as we have. And, you know, uh, consolidating that portfolio in a meaningful way is definitely a top priority. David, would you agree? Yeah, I, th I think in the aggregate, um, it's probably not that off base. So legacy companies I've worked at at HP, we had so much excess space and but not everybody agreed. You know, that, that was a difficult conversation. Like, oh, we have all this extra space. Like, uh, we do. Um, and I think people are, I think COVID has sort of sh shown, shown the light on, on that. And so I don't think that's far off, again, in the aggregate. For us, we're growing. You know, it won't be a 50% reduction. But I think, David, yeah, I don't know if you, if you were in the room at Microsoft Cortech seven, eight years ago when I asked the question, what's your utilization rate? And we got down to 35% and everybody in the room was mm -hmm. shocked. Right, so pre-COVID, util actual utilization, nine to five, Monday, Friday, was 35 to 40%. Yeah. COVID was down to seven, eight percent, right? We had mm -hmm. buildings in New York, it's seven, eight percent. And mm -hmm. so if you take a 24 seven approach, actual utilization pre-COVID was about 10%. Mm -hmm. and, and when you think you gotta insure them and you have to you know, um, light them, heat them, cool them, utilization, I think, is the word for the next yeah. five years, really mm -hmm. understanding it and, right, and the word right sizing is spot on, spot on. Well, we could keep going. I knew it was going to go fast. I've already gone over. Howard all gels at me, but uh, thank you so much. Really glad to see both of you back into the community, and uh, you know we'll be in touch because we need your brains. So, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank have you. a great have a great weekend. Be well. You too. Bye. All right, uh, boy, I, as I said in the beginning, just bringing folks back from uh, that I hadn't seen in a couple years in our community. They're in different roles, but still got the passion and the, and the vision. So with that, let's bring on Howard Berger, who's going to bring us up to speed on what's going on in real estate technology um, in the news. Oh, thanks, Jim. All right, I'll get out of your way. <laughs> and, and thank you, Eugenie and Dave. Great show. It's good seeing you both again. So, <clears throat> excuse me, we always close the show highlighting a few of the news items from our weekly news briefing that's released every Thursday uh, morning. And our lead story, so as Jim mentioned, every year since 2000, one of the staples of the RealCom conference has been our continuous live streaming of interviews on our conference live stage, which we typically set up in the expo hall during the conference. And over the years, you may remember Jerry Katzman as our host MC. Jerry was always energizing, lighting up the conference live stage with our guests. We shifted the gears a little bit in 2020 and our old conference lives morphed into the next gen Realcom live experience with the Friday shows, which you're watching now, as well as the numerous segments that we actually run at the annual conference. So at the Realcom conference in Scottsdale a few weeks ago in our Realcom live studio, uh, as Jim mentioned, we hosted 25 interviews and mini sessions. These are 15, 20 minute segments with key thought leaders in our industry on a wide variety of topics, which were all live streamed and recorded and available for your viewing. And in this week's article, we selected a sample for you to explore, which you can link to from the article or go to or the Realcom YouTube channel, or you can link directly from our website for the full library of Realcom live shows, including those from the conference. Next, shout out to this week's tech partner, Okapi. Now, as we've been talking about, we're all still struggling with office reoccupancy strategies. What are the right ratios for hybrid work? How many days in the office versus home? What's the right amenity stack for the office? How do we, how do we dive? How do we, how deep do we dive 
into indoor air quality and healthy environments. And the big, big question is, was, is this gonna bring us closer to the productivity and innovation, which is the end goal that we're really seeking. So in this article, the copy builds a case that how proactively we handle our work orders and building maintenance may also contribute to employee well-being. And they've addressed the problem by applying AI and machine learning to managing and prioritizing outstanding work order tickets to get uh, and maximize tenant satisfaction. So to get a better understanding of this intelligent maintenance, give this article a read. Uh, also in the news this week, AECOM, uh, global infrastructure consulting firm, they were some of the biggest uh, smart city transportation utilities, environmental building project clients in the world. Well, they've just formalized a new digital initiative under the name Digital AECOM. Core elements are gonna be digital consulting services, strategy, design operations, data analytics, AI, and digital solutions delivery, plus their digital products for design and infrastructure services. And AECOM's looking to leverage this digital transformation to unlock, unlock new productivity gains for the industry and to accelerate their carbon reduction and sustainability objectives. So looking forward to some real impactful innovation here from AECOM. And finally, Reonomy has agreed to sell its commercial real estate data platform to Altus Group for 201 million. Um, and this is gonna give Altus the data sets they need to further add analytics into workflows for more robust data services and predictive analytics. Now, Mike Gordon, CEO of Altus, said the integration of Reonomy's AI-powered data platform to Altus's suite of software data and analytics capabilities, quote, creates a very compelling client offering that'll enable our clients to better manage performance and risk within their CRE portfolios, end quote. Now, if you recall, Altus recently acquired Stratagem uh, Analytics to be integrated into their traditional Argus solutions to help clients build more predictive models and forecasts using granular local demographics and economic data sets. This latest acquisition is going to further help Altus uh, clients bridge that gap between the why it happened to the what's next. So God, that's it for me. I'm way out of time. Check our weekly briefing and I will see you all, I think, next week. Very good. No, not next week. Not no, next we're week. going we're going to we're going to take a little break. That I'll talk about in a second. But thank you, as always. Great job. Uh, lots of uh, information out there, but not a lot of true news. And I know you go to a great effort to kind of sift through all the stuff that might not be important and, and bring our attention to what is. So thank you for that. Thanks, Jim. All right. Before uh, I close the show, let's hear from our final sponsor. And then I'm going to come back and tell you what's in store in the next couple of weeks. All right. So next week, uh, as I was talking with Howard, no show. We're going to go very analog and we are going to be spending time with a turkey. And we are gonna encourage all of you to do the same. Turn off your computers, turn off your cell phones, turn off your television sets. We spend enough time in front of these screens, it's our lives, it's our livings, but there is also time to slow down, spend time with family and friends and get outdoors, take a hike, a bike ride, enjoy your family and friends and uh, the holiday. Be grateful for everything we've got. And, um, and I think it's a good time to slow down for a couple of days as we get ready for the next set of holidays coming. The week after that, 12-3, we are gonna have three phenomenal people, uh, three of our Digi Award recipients. These are people who were recently given awards, Denise Taylor, Elon Zakar, and Mark Petak, uh, people who've been in the community for years and years and have now been recognized for all their great accomplishments. They're gonna share their journeys, give some insight to folks who might be starting out in the industry, uh, avoid some pitfalls and some fast tracks. And we're really looking forward to having that conversation with those three great real estate technology leaders. 
So with that, I bid you farewell for today. Have a great weekend, and we will see you in two weeks. Happy Thanksgiving.